And episode 26, season 6 of the ASI podcast. My name is Russ Shaw, your host on this audio adventure today. Surveys! Surveys filled out by listeners. Uh, One specific survey, which seems to be the favorite of listeners recently. And this survey tends to get under the skin ASI247.org if you'd like to fill out a survey and possibly be on the show I ask you 10 questions probably no one's ever asked and you can answer them in private right there uh, on the survey page the way we answer questions tends to be a really good gauge at what's going on on the inside I tend to like to think of the ASI survey page as a like a stethoscope Warming up the stethoscope here. Season 6, episode 26. It's just after record store day as I'm recording this. We're going back to 1992. Some old vinyl. Speaking of cardiology, this is Concrete Blonde. Bumper promo from ASI Podcast Bumps on Spotify. When you lay down, do you hear sound? Does the silence have a voice? What does it say? What do you hear? What does it whisper in your ear? Why don't you hear me? Why don't you hear me? When you get up into the light When you come up out of your night What do you see? And do you see? Or have you lost your sense of sight? Why don't you see me? ASI says for me art is in the eye of the beholder you know that's a big one how does that song affect you behind your eyes i'm always more interested in that you know there's these youtube channels where they explain things which kind of bugs me you know and maybe uh, some of the 
some of the bad religion that I was taught growing up. Maybe that's what's triggering some of this. I remember the 80s where they said that rock and roll was the devil's music, you know, and they it's a whole like half hour long specials and films on how, you know, Ozzy worships Satan and uh, ACDC is acid Christ devil's child. Like that's the, you know, years later you find out this is all untrue, but you see what's going on here, right? It's like whatever you feel, that art, right? Those words, music doesn't tend to make people do bad things, right? That's just, we've, psychology, you know, violent video games and music are not the catalyst Usually what, what's going on is that the artist is tapping into a hurt, a pain, something, something, you know, there's songs that are birthed out of just outright trauma, right? And, and some of that can resonate with other people. That's what's really healthy about music. Music tends to be picked up by a different frequency in our psyche, you know? It's not super objective, as much as it's subjective, as much as it stirs the heart and, and resonates with the emotions in a very objective valuing world, the subjective rhythms, harmonies, and yes, messages of music, they can make us more aware. They can awaken the heart. For me, I like a, a good dose of like podcasts, speech media, you know, talk radio even, and music. I like to balance the two. Like if I get too much music, um, I, I tend to get way too subjective. You know? And then if I get way too much, you know, the, 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 the speech media stuff, I love audiobooks and, and podcasts. But if I get too much of that, my head just starts swimming. I need a I need a life preserver, you know. That's why I started collecting vinyl again. It's this twelve by twelve piece of artwork, and you put it on the turntable, and you drop the needle, and and there's something, something to that. It's just nostalgic for me because I'm old, maybe, or maybe it's just because music in the streaming digital realm is is so fluid. It's like air having lived through some of the history of media, and maybe that's why Record Store Day has become a thing again, because you would actually go to a place and purchase a thing, right? Like you would walk around the record store and make a selection amongst uh, other humans who were also thumbing through albums in their fleshy bodies, you know, with their all of their non-verbals uh, written on their face as they're thumbing through shopping for music. And then you would carry this tangible thing to the register and a human would be standing there and take your money, right? See, back in the day, we could hold the music in our hands. Uh, in some ways, we had to hold the music in our hands, and that became really expensive. So there was that as well. In the creative, even evolutionary ebbs and flows of how media is distributed, 
today, in this day and age, we don't have to put things on little discs or tapes, right? And and to have uh, something in your hands, right? To have a piece of art to look at in 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 and hold tangibly. There's something about the tangible feeling of something you can't really hold in your hands. Like you can't hold sound, but there's something about the expansion of the art from the sound onto the the 12 by 12 album cover, you know, and then you pull the record out and then there's a sleeve and sometimes the sleeve has artwork to it or the label has artwork to it. Here's a fun fact. Apple computer, the, the symbol in the back of your iPhone that came from a record company art, right? Apple records who uh, produced the Beatles on every Apple Records vinyl album, there was a like a, a, an apple sliced in half. So you got the cross section of the apple on one side and usually the 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 skin, the round of the apple on the other. Uh, Steve Jobs was was into the Beatles and and loved the music and loved that logo. And as long as he took a, a, a bite out of the apple, right? It wasn't copyright infringement but jobs was very inspired by that uh, that apple logo that's on the beatles album years later i guess he actually had to pay apple records because he named his computer company apple and some of that came back on him but i thought it was cool that the apple logo was inspired by one record company's artistry that they put on the labels for their vinyl albums and i would see steve jobs as an artist you know he's many things i think a lot of people would say but he's he's mainly an artist much like da vinci was and that's what I wanted to touch on today in reading these surveys is the ripple effect of creative energy. And the survey that seems to be the most popular is God and Me, Life-Giving Relationship or Toxic Religion. And some of you may struggle with this. Uh, we're going to talk about God again or higher power or whatever that is. Um, yeah, because it's important. I think it's really important. That song that I played at the beginning of this podcast, again, art is in the eye of the beholder, but for me, there's a very deep metaphysical tapping into that higher power thing going on there, all right? Even some of my atheist friends, you know, you, you get in the recovery group and somebody's like, well, I don't believe in God. It's like, well, do you believe in the universe? Right. Like that's kind of a hard thing not to believe in. It exists and it's bigger than you are. It is a much higher power than you and I. Uh, right. Could we agree on that at least? And you could stick with me, stay in the room, kind of like staying in the record store with the rest of the shoppers. Right. Like going into that space and there's people that like jazz and there's people that like country. Right. And there's people that like rap and hip hop and blues and everyone's there together, not not leaving the premises because someone doesn't like the genre of music they like. But everyone is looking to tap into that 
feeling that's reached when certain instruments and harmonies and even words and vocals and notes come together all looking for that all there seeking a common treasure that's not just religion right it's not just something experienced by religious people or atheists or white people black people right asian people this is something all of us humans in this ongoing ripple effect of creative flow do hunger and thirst to tap into like syncing up with divine bandwidth music is a part of that bandwidth anyway here we go getting into the survey respondent uh i ask everyone before they uh they fill out the survey so it's actually nine questions i'm gonna ask you nine questions all right the first question um is to come up with a, a creative handle for yourself right to keep you anonymous and uh here i'll read you how i worded it uh hi my name is what my name is who Yes, you're anonymous, but the survey is public. What kind of creative handle or nickname can you come up with for yourself for this survey? Uh, he says, huh, that's, the, that's his name. So huh says uh, he's 50 through 59 in his 50s. He's male. Um, what is your religious affiliation in the beginning? I ask uh, the home you grew up in, the childhood what best describes that history? Um, he says, my parents both loved God and loved me and didn't make religion a chore. Um, number four, choose a worldview that best describes the dominant idea of God in your household or your understanding of a creator growing up. And he chose uh, Christian, Protestant, denominational. Um, any developmental or theological exposure like Sunday school as a kid? He says, yes, often. Um, were your parents on the same page when it comes to God or religion? Yes, you could say they were both on the same page. Um, which statement best defines the relationship with God by those who raised you in your religious upbringing? My parents were on the same page but didn't seem to live their faith in the real world. Uh, and he skipped uh, the rest of the questions on the survey there. Um, the next question is, do you remember a time when your faith became real by deconstruction, no longer your parents or your tribes, but your own? Can you, can you describe in a story by drawing an emotional word picture of how that felt? Um, I want to explain that question because it seems to be the question that most people get hung up on and stop the survey with, except for the next respondent. <laughs> so I'm going to explain that question. But after I do um, another respondent. So this individual uh, skipped question number one where I ask for a, a, a name, a handle, uh, and then question number two was also skipped. What sex are you or current age or season of life? Um, number three, what was your religious affiliation in the beginning? 
the home you grew up in during childhood. Choose the answer that best describes your history. Um, ambiguous believers. My parents believed in God as a higher power, but we never went to any religious activities like church, temple, mosque, synagogue, etc. Uh, choose the worldview that best describes the dominant idea of God in your household to your understanding of a creator God growing up. Uh, agnostic. Didn't know if there is a God or we and or we never went to any religious activities like church, mosque, temple, or synagogue. Um, and uh, this person expounds on that. Um, said there was a God, but refused to teach me about it. As if, as they said when I was old enough, I could learn for myself. Any Sunday school? No, not at all. Um, were your parents on the same page when it came to religion? No, one believed one religion, the other parent believed another. What statement was best defines the relationship with God by those who raised you in your religious upbringing. My parents seemed to believe two different things deep down, and the deeper issues of faith were a touchy subject in my home growing up. Uh, and then again, we come to, uh, do you remember a time in your life when your fame, faith became real? No longer your parents' tribes, but your own. And uh, this individual skipped that one, too. I, I could see why, right? Like, I, I wrote this survey at a certain time in my life. So it's interesting to go back and revisit it here in season six. And I think about what, what, what I was doing when I wrote it, like where I was at, what I was working through. One of my personal philosophies is that anybody that comes up with any kind of creative work, whether it's Steve Jobs or Paul McCartney or the graphic designer at Apple Records, there, there's a there's a link to it all, but there's also there's also a a birthing out of the heart that's going on. Like something in me wanted to know the the folks who listen to this podcast what they thought of of the big man. Right? Where was I in in wanting to know? what you guys thought about God. And, and part of it really is uh, kind of a cool sort of fun therapeutic sort of exercise, right? Not that this show is online therapy or anything like that. But for me, um, answering questions like that is like, oh, yeah, you know, you sit in those. Sitting in that question, when did your faith become yours that seems to be hanging a lot of people up which i find interesting and i think maybe that's where i was at when i wrote it right because it keeps it keeps becoming mine right this this relationship with my creator uh, because early on i grew up so i'll just i'll, I'll go through the survey uh myself <laughs> I wrote it, so I'm going to uh, answer the questions that I that I put out here in this survey. All right. So number one, what what kind of uh, nickname would I come up for myself? I think that rap, right? What's my rapper name? I heard somewhere on Facebook or something somebody said, you know, you take a little, and then whatever you had for lunch. So. 
took some time off this morning and I wanted to know what it meant to make Philly cheese steaks. So my wife and I, we went to the grocery store when we were hungry, bought way too much groceries. You should never do that. Don't go to the grocery store hungry, right? Like I know this, this is one of the, one of the commandments, one of the cardinal sins if you're trying to save money. But yeah, we went anyway. Uh, so I made Philly cheesesteaks and they, they turned out not too bad. Uh, I forgot the provolone. We use mozzarella instead, but it was fine. All right. So little cheesesteak, that would be my, uh, my nickname for this here survey, even though, no, I'm not from Philadelphia. (laughs) I'm from, uh, and live in the Seattle area, but yeah, I'll be a little cheesesteak. How's that? Uh, what sex? I'm male. I'm 50 years old. Just turned 50 back in June. Uh, what was your religious affiliation in the beginning, the home that you grew up in? Um, sorry, I'm going to read this kind of like I'm, I'm in a room with some of you, right? This is, uh, I'm going through the questions and there's another respondent here, St. Michael. Uh, he, that's the, the nickname he goes by. He's also around the same age as me. Um, what was your religious affiliation in the beginning? Uh, choose the home that you grew up in, right? Choose the answer that best describes your history. There's drop-down questions in this survey. Um, He said, other, uh, my parents are guardians. Uh, Holocaust survivor on my dad's side, Methodist on mom's side, raised Jewish, but converted to Christianity at age 45 or so. Uh, For me... I, uh, I was raised Christian, uh, mostly by my mom, my mom's side of the family, very deeply Christian, uh, assemblies of God, denominational. My dad was, was also Christian, but he didn't like church. Like my dad didn't want to go to church. He avoided religious stuff. Um, I can remember him in church maybe a few times in my life. They got divorced when I was seven and my dad uh, married my stepmom. She went to church a little bit. I remember going to church with them once <laughs> and that was it. So that's, that's my story a little bit. Uh, the worldview that number four, uh, choose a worldview that best describes the dominant idea of God in your household to your understanding of a creator, God growing up. Um, follower of Jesus Christ and his historical teachings uh, let's see. Any developmental or theological exposure, like Sunday school as a kid? Yes, often. Uh, were your parents on the same page when it came to God and religion? Uh, he says no. One parent was a believer, uh, and the other was agnostic. That was that was my story too. Sunday school as a kid for me, yes. Uh, and it wasn't super constructive like and I don't know like I'm not I'm not trying to to be mean or demean the the people running the Sunday school at the time I guess they they were just very booky kind of people right they liked they liked objective facts you know and and there's something to that right but for me I I just I've been through some shit as a kid all right and and some of that bothered me. I remember Brendan Manning told this story of 
of having someone say, God loves all the good little children. And I remember that, right? Like I remember this person in Sunday school saying something like, well, you know, God loves the good little children and me feeling like, oh, yeah, that's, that's not me, man. Um, so Sunday school and I, and I didn't, I didn't go back after that. For some reason that kind of freaked me out, you know. Which statement best defines the relationship with God by those who raised you in your religious upbringing? Uh, one or both of my parents seem to believe in God as a re- relational figure who loves and cares for us unconditionally and we could run to and pray to and confide in him and in God, right? Um, do you remember a time, so so St. Michael here, he actually answers this question. Uh, not, And I'm cool with you guys who didn't, right? I'm not trying to be negative towards you or anything like I the fact that you didn't answer that question is 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 interesting to me um and I and I I have nothing but hugs and admiration that you that you got this far all right uh uh do you remember a time when your uh faith became your own uh confused and overwhelmed by cancer in a friend and needing to turn to something or someone to help her and her husband. A painful time bringing back the early death of my own mother, acting out with drinking and sex, needed help, found teachings of Jesus Christ, and help via televangelist Joel Olstein. Uh, brought me to God and higher power. Do you remember any other spiritual f- abuse growing up? Um, I had definite sexual abuse, but despite counseling and all, I can't remember who or what could have been at temple to or church with my grandparents. Um, do you recall any other uh, person in your life who has inspired you spiritually um and he said joel olstein for him it's it's joel olstein um for me it's interesting so when my faith became real I, i think that's a big part of what i'm talking about on the podcast for for what going on 13 years now with this show has been some of that you know um, when my faith no longer was my parents is usually it's comes through pain. It's interesting to me that the first step in the 12 steps is surrender, right? And there's something about higher power in there too. And there's all this, this artistry around that, that understanding of, of consciousness and surrender, right? Like, uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, the Matrix is another another good one. There's so many. There's a, there's a new show. Uh, it might be triggery for some of you, but it's called Russian Doll on Netflix, which is really good as well. When, when you're at the end of your rope, when when things right, when when everything you thought made sense no longer does, right? When 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 all of the cutesy kind of ideas of Jesus or higher power or God 
um, crash. That's kind of what happened with me. Part of it, like like the listener said, I'm, part of my story is sexual abuse too. And it wasn't, you know, I tell people it's, the act itself was, was bad enough, but the keeping me quiet, the way this cat had to, to keep me quiet, you know, was a big part of the damage. And that voice in my head really didn't correspond very well with uh, peace and well-being that that I had learned should be from worshiping um, Jesus, right, or uh, Yahweh, or right, just my understanding of that growing up. If you can't do the things right, if you can't obey, right, obedience. Well, you got to be obedient, Russ. You got to be obedient to the Lord, and and you know I would really did really try, and when I couldn't, right, when I just started doing bad again, two days later, uh, or, or two hours later, that at first, um had me thinking that maybe I'm just maybe I'm just godless uh, I want to play another piece of music for you because I think this is why this survey is really important to me because the question of who is God comes up that's what I want to get to with this episode is 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 at you asking that question who is what is this higher power who is God uh especially if you grew up in some kind of religion, especially if you grew up Christian. I grew up learning the story, you know, getting curious about my faith and and when things started to unravel, you know, geeking out on theology. It's a lot of what I did when I started the show. Um, and then, you know, the, so so God is is angry and Old Testament, right? And and Ezekiel's killing teenagers for being punks, right? And God is throwing down fire and brimstone and is that is that who God is, you know? And then and then Jesus comes along in the New Testament and he's full of love and grace and you've heard it said eye for an eye, but I say, you know, love your enemies. Uh, so is that God? So growing up with some confusion around those two things, really, even starting this show, working out, trying to understand this love that had had entered into my heart. And I think that's maybe what people call the conversion experience, right? Uh, converted to what? I think it's the curious question that I'm trying to expound on. Who is who is God to you? There is a relationship in there, but what toxic religion can do is have you feel like something in your actions, something that you did, caused you to be godless. Here's a bumper by the band U P O, and the song is called "Godless." Rainbow puppet and I'm stumbling around I'm making all my brain and I'm in big trouble, big trouble I still gotta breathe, oh yeah Like my shame, this will all go down Goddamn 
song so resonates to to where I've been at at pinpoints on the GPS in my life. It's funny how some of us who struggle with unwanted sexually compulsive behavior, we have some of these cunning survival instincts and we can be very instinctually minded about our digital footprint. Especially if we have things to hide on on the surface, right? How we can delete our browser history as one example. It's the interesting thing about technology today. That's a, a good metaphor. The the GPS pinpoint. You can't get rid of that, right? And I'm not talking about technology. I'm sure there's some hacker somewhere who could delete everywhere we've been on GPS, but in our heart, wherever you've been, you've been there. And wherever you are, there you are. And that that lyric, right? I don't need to get my head kicked in again. There's There's something about the just trying to cram my head with more information. I, I thought that learning more doctrines and getting more answers was, was going to be the answer, you know? And it, it really felt, you know, it, it feels like sometimes you gain some knowledge and it feels like yeah, I'm gaining in a greater understanding of God, you know. I'm I'm studying the word, you know, and I'm sitting in the teaching of these folks and you know, Mars Hill back in the day and and I thought that I thought that I was in a good place, you know. But experience tends to change what what we really believe, right? Like we can believe something, but until you experience that belief it it doesn't really have roots it it doesn't even have that much weight you know um i remember again going to mars hill and and at that point in my life and a lot of this show was was done during that time and sitting under the teaching of mark driscoll and and when his bomb went off as we like to talk about in the show here or in recovery circles might call the uh, uh, rock bottom, right? He quit, you know, he quit on his community. He quit on his people. One of the things that he used to say was, uh, it takes one to forgive and two to reconcile, you know? Like relationship works in the reconciliation when there's a wound that happens. And, And he said that, right? Like it takes one to forgive and two to reconcile. He didn't believe that, obviously, by his actions. Because when he was exposed, he just expected people to forgive him. And rather than reconciling, he moved to Arizona. I use him as an example of what I'm talking about when I say ask those questions, you know, and and what it means to have a faith that's really yours, and yeah, I still consider myself a, a Christian today, but I don't believe God is a Christian, right? That's that's true. That's actually in 
your Bible. God says, I am, I just am. Who are you? What should I call you? Moses says, he says, I am. That's what you call me. (laughs) I love that. It's not so religious there, is it? There's this understanding, right? The the, the scriptures talk about imago Dei in Latin means the image of God, that we're created in that image. I'm alive and life is beautiful. I love that that song, uh, 6 a.m. As I understand it, being alive is the opposite of being godless. Uh, in the Bible, it talks about being in Christ. Um, to be to be not in Christ is to not be alive. All right, is is to not be, is to not exist even. All right, I'm not. I want to leave it there. You're saying that all the people that don't believe in Jesus aren't alive? No, I'm saying that that what he means by that, in those words, when when Christ takes everyone up to the cross, he takes everyone up to the cross. Whether you like it or not, whether you think you had a decision in it, you know, there's something about religion too that tends to make us want to separate from other people. And that's not my understanding of the Bible either. The whole story from Genesis to Revelations is is love working itself out as God revealing who God is to to us humans it's bringing together instead of dividing apart it's loving uh, your fellow humans it's doing as Jesus said with the golden rule right do unto others as you would like done to you. That's the golden rule. Be kind to other people. We humans, we have such a hard time with that. And a big part of it is some of these ideas that religion tends to put out there in the world, right? I'm talking about this toxic religious idea that we created this thing, this religion, this denomination to separate ourselves from those people. Is that who God is? Right Back to the question, the big question. The reason I probably wrote that survey those years ago. Uh, who's God? Is he that guy? Is he the guy that uh, puts dividing lines between people? I think that for those of us who have lived on the wild side, um, who have been disobedient right to to a pretty major level when it comes to how most religious people would think about it um self-destruction i think about self-destruction you know uh there's something to that i i still have a hard time with walking into a room and going hi my name is russia and i'm an addict uh putting that negative label on oneself but being someone who is prone towards self-destruction, that's all of us, you know. There's something in us that needs to be reconciled with the part of us that's really alive. Um, and, and I think that's who God is. God is 
is, you know, we're made in his image when we're creative, right? We're being like God. You're made in God's image. How are you like God? That's a good question. Instead of, you know, it sounds prideful and arrogant. No, no. Like pride and and that kind of arrogance, it comes from our ego. And our ego is just trying to survive. There's this expounding sense of joy and creativity that comes from inside of us. And that part of us is from God. I love this verse. This is the uh, who is God verse, right? It's John 14, 20. Uh, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. That's the words of Jesus. I am in the Father, you're in me, and I am in you. Listen, you physically cannot be anyone in the world but you. But you, right where you're at, right now, listening to this, you're, you're alive, and you're you. And you cannot physically be anyone else. And there's something really cool about that. There's something very Imago Day about that. There's some great, beautiful, relational mystery in how God reveals God's self to us. Um, on what day, right? Some of you may be thinking that. On, on what day will, will, will we know? Will I know? Um, this is when Jesus is leaving Right? So verse 19 says, before long, the world will not see me anymore because he's going to the cross. Right? Um, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. And out of that, we live and we flow. Words like obedience, which is part of the next... Ver read John 14, right? <laughs> get, get too theological on you here. But syncing up with what's good and being alive and connected and face-to-face, eye-to-eye, in the record store with the rest of the humans. That's... That's what I wanted to touch on. There is no fear in love. All right. You are like God. You're made from God's stuff, as my friend Seth would say, right? You're not just made from God. You're made of God. And... Again, that old line from my recovery days, wherever you go, there you are. But wherever you're going, God is going with you. I love that line from the shack, you know, the, and people have asked me that too. Are you saying that you're a universalist now, Russ, or, you know, because everyone is saved according to your worldview? Is that what you're saying? Um, 
in the shack, Mac asks Jesus, so do all paths lead to God? And Jesus says, no, um, some paths don't lead anywhere. And he says, but whatever path you go down, I'll be right behind you. I'll be watching you. I'll be there with you. Wherever you go, whether you believe in a creator God or not, like those lyrics I kicked off the show with, when you lay down, when things are quiet and still, what do you hear? And ending out the show, I'll come back to the place you are. I love that lyric. It's in this song. I wanted to leave you with this. Speaking of old vinyl, this is uh, Peter Gabriel, who was in a band called Genesis. Back in the 70s, 80s, and then had a solo career in the 80s. This was a pop hit in the 80s. But this is uh, Peter Gabriel with a group that's been around since I was born, actually 1968, at Cambridge in the UK, known as the King's Singers, all right? And this is a, uh, an a cappella vocal ensemble from uh, Cambridge College, and uh, Peter Gabriel joins them in this song. I love this tune. I love you guys, listeners. Uh, I do mean that sincerely. Uh, Russ at ASI247.org. Throwing out the email address there. I appreciate you, you listeners. I really do. Uh, Just for being people who aren't by nature stagnant, right? The fact that you're listening, I appreciate and I, I love every single one of you. Until next time, bye. Attitudes of Sexual Integrity is a listener-supported podcast.
Do you like what you hear, here? Please leave a review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or wherever you may be hearing this podcast. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with federal, state and local authorities, if this had been an actual emergency, the attention signal you've just heard would have been followed by official information, news or instructions. The podcast, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, is owned by Digital Audio Project LLC who is responsible for its contents. SI, the podcast and its content is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to replace or substitute for any professional physiological, medical, legal, or other advice. In addition, Russ makes no representations or warranties within or through the podcast or website. If you have specific concerns or a situation in which you require professional physiological or medical advice, you should consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system.